In October of 1871, the Great Chicago Fire destroyed much of the bustling city of Chicago, killing 300 people and destroying roughly three square miles of the city. It left more than 100,000 people homeless. What's surprising is the flames actually started away from the city, on the other side of the Chicago River. So, how did the fire cross over the river to destroy the vibrant city? Author Kevin Miller has the surprising and disgusting answer. Welcome to Sincerely Yours with Ann Maines, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Hear new episodes every weekday and subscribe to our podcast at faithstrongtoday.com. He says that the river jumping fire is largely due to the river itself. In those days, the Chicago River was a shallow, sluggish sewer for the entire city. The Union stockyards in Chicago dumped all their animal waste into the river. People called it the Stinking River, or Bubbly Creek. It was so bad that the waste was actually combustible, a major factor in making a bad situation catastrophic. But the Chicago River wasn't done yet. Over the next several years, all of its putrid waste flowed into Lake Michigan, where there were drinking water intakes for the city. As you can imagine, waterborne diseases broke out, and by 1885, nearly 100,000 people died from illnesses carried by the river's contaminated waters. Finally, city engineers took action. Digging 28 miles of canal and moving more earth and rocks than were moved building the Panama Canal, they set in locks and gates. And on January 2nd, 1900, a sluice gate was opened at Lake Michigan, releasing its mighty waters into the Chicago River, literally reversing its flow and bringing a huge supply of fresh water. Instead of shallow, sluggish, diseased water making the community sick, the river now brought the city life. Some writers argue that Chicago would not even be around today had the flow of the Chicago River not been reversed. And the American Society of Civil Engineers named it one of the engineering projects of the millennium, reversing deadly contamination to bring about life. Yes, it was a mandate that eventually saved one of the major cities in the world. But let's be completely clear. This was a life-saving measure for mankind that Jesus carried out 2,000 years earlier. As we're reading through Ephesians chapter 5, we find the Apostle Paul clearly warning against the filthy contamination that has corrupted man from the beginning. Verse 3. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. I think we can all agree that our contamination is obvious. Its tide ebbs and flows with the whims of popular culture, and its odor is unmistakable. But all is not lost. We have not been left helpless and diseased without hope of being made well. Once again, Paul speaks clearly, this time with God's amazing solution to our problem. Reading from his letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verse 8. But think about this. 
While we were wasting our lives in sin, God revealed His powerful love to us in a tangible display. Jesus died for us. Jesus is the key. He was born at Christmas. He did go to the cross. And He forever reversed the deadly flow of sin. It's up to us to open the sluice gate and receive what He has already done. As we allow His life-giving water to flow through us, just like the Chicago River, we too are cleansed, and then our life can bring life to others. Taking you on a journey through the New Testament, this has been Sincerely Yours with Ann Maines, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Subscribe to our podcast and join us on social media. All the details are at faithstrongtoday.com.